I feel like it's almost like we're all on that journey. And I think people who are trans and gender non-conforming in all sorts of ways are almost like like a, a beacon for that, you mm. know. And I think I think that's where the conflict comes from because it can be uncomfortable for people because we're all oh, yeah. conforming and we're all like, you know, there's internalized everything, you know, and we're yes, all yeah. oppressed in some way for the most, but most people are not everyone, but, you know. Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. This podcast is sponsored by the World Energy and Meteorology Council, or WEMSI for short. WEMSI is an international organisation focused on weather and climate data to support energy transition, and we also work with educators. WEMSI have created TEAL, an easy-to-use, free visualisation tool that enables you to explore climate variables for the past 70-plus years. Get started at tealtool.earth. Find us at wemcouncil.org and follow us on Twitter at wemcouncil. Hi, everybody. Back to Coffee and Geography. And I have to say, so the tables have turned, Esther Lemons. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they have. (laughs) Uh, That's the most cold, like, opening I've ever had to one of my podcast episodes. Uh... And the reason is being is because... I have been a guest of your podcast, what, three times? Oh, yeah, with two, two with just you and then one with a panel. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Yeah. So that, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll get to that, folks. But yeah, this is, this is interesting. As <laughs> Esther said in the green room, it's weird being on the other side <laughs> of the mic. Indeed. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. who is this Esther person then? Well, Esther, who uses the pronouns she, they, is a creator, artist, podcaster, budding writer, truth seeker, gentle activist and queer mystic. Generally non-conforming, she likes to refer to herself as a rebel with a cause. Her motto, her motto is do your thing your way. And I like the way that you put your in capitals there, Esther. Absolutely. Um, and she passionately believes that authentic, unapologetic, at times radical self-expression is the most important gift that we can give ourselves and to the world. And here it is, guys, that Esther is the foundation of, and, and is the foundation? Esther is the founder <laughs> and the host of the 50 Shades of Gender podcast, and contributing author to the best-selling book, Sacred Redesign, How to Free Yourself from Society's Standards and Create Heaven on Earth. Whew. Wow. I'm not, I'll, I'll own my little, um, my little slip-ups there because, you know, I like being this organic. I ain't going to edit out. But that's, yeah, why not? That's an impressive I, You know, and I'm, I, was, I was thinking to myself before I came on, Esther, I was like, I'm not going to say Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not going to say Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, not quite the same. Not quite the same. No, but you know, it, I guess it was inspired by the the name of that. I suppose There's lots of lots of Fifty Shades projects sort of appeared after that, right? Yeah, quite a few. Indeed, yeah, and um, and whenever I've kind of like promoted and mentioned your podcast to people who say you should listen to it, it's called I I always get a giggle in response because I think that they <laughs> they make that initial link and I think they probably find it quirky and funny that you've made a play on that. So mm, and it's it yeah, makes yeah. it more memorable anyway. Right. Well, I hope it's living up to expectations. Then. <laughs> well, I believe so because um, tell everybody what uh, what episode are you on now? 
I am now on episode, I think last week was episode 81. So next week's episode 82. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And um, and for, for Coffee and Geography, um, this is episode 52. So. Nice. I know. It's, um, I can't yeah. believe it. But so we've both got, um, we're both heading towards our hundreds. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is absolutely crazy. All right. Amazing. I can see, Esther, that you've got your uh, your mug in front of you. So uh, what are you that. sipping on? Well, actually, I'm having fresh mint tea, which is what I like to have at this time of the day. I love fresh me a bit tea. of fresh mint tea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're recording this in the evening. It's, um, let's see, so it's the 1st of June tomorrow, so re- everybody recording at the end of May. Um, sunrise is 4.40 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> and sunset is 9.06. So technically, the sun still hasn't set yet, even though, mm. I mean, you're not too far away from yesterday. It's overcast, grey. It's a bit drizzly and rainy here, but it's still mm. bright. Yeah, it is still a bit bright, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So you've got your your uh, your mint brew there. I've got my um, mm-hmm. decaf tea. Excellent. Is there any kind of brand you like to drink, or is it? Something? Well, I try and you know, interestingly, because you you when you put in your document about you know the the tea and bringing a cup and stuff and the packaging, I was like, yeah. oh well, I've got a selection of them here because I have my favourites, obviously. But then I thought, well, mint. I try and buy it from like the market or somewhere where I don't get any packaging for it at all. You know, besides mm. a paper bag. So that's what I do try and do, be conscious of that. So, yeah. Sweet. And mint seems to be a bit of a theme at the moment because a couple of episodes ago when I spoke to Shanique Harris, um, her choice of brew was a Jamaican mint tea. Uh, and I said, where do you get that from? She said, actually, it's like every time I go and see family in Jamaica, it's like I make sure I bring back some mint like from Jamaica because obviously you know Amazing. you can get it here, but yeah, it got to be that Jamaican mint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes so, sense. Um, yeah, so there's a lot saying, of difference in it actually. Like in, in the different places you buy it from, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, I can I imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and um, I do like to drink like different kinds of tea, and I can even tell. You know, I mean, obviously most of the stuff that us British drink is of course tea blends. You know, mm-hmm. and that's how they, they taste different is because they're blended differently. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, when you get like a pure Assam or a pure, you know, Roybush or something like that, then you can actually yeah, there is a difference, isn't there, between where they come from or or yeah. uh, what kind of, yeah, so how mm. they've been grown. So, yeah. yeah, I do like my nice teas. I'm very serious about tea, actually. I have a, a temperature control kettle that I use, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So what is that? Is, does it just tell you just with a digital dial, like just says, or, or does it, because I, well, I, I'm picturing not... like... Yeah, and like a fancy color, it goes like a certain like a sci-fi color, right? kettle, right? Yeah, yeah. No, mine doesn't do the colors, which is fine. I don't need the colors, but it's got like buttons for like there's 80, 85, 90, 95, oh, 90 yes, yeah. so that, those five settings there are. So, yeah, and a, a yeah, keep warm setting as well, which I never do. <laughs> That's a good point, actually, isn't it? Because, like, on some packaging and teas and stuff and stuff like that, I actually noticed they do actually recommend like an optimum temperature. I don't, it's not do, yeah. common. But I have seen it. It's like 85 degrees is like the perfect brewing temperature or something like that. I'm like, yeah, it depends on the tea. Yeah, it depends on the tea. So green tea needs a bit of a lower temperature, which is like 80 degrees normally. I think Mm. oolong maybe a bit warmer. Black tea and coffee. No, black tea is actually 100 degrees. And herbal tea is like 100 degrees. But like, yeah, many green teas like need a lower temperature. And matcha does as well. So, yeah. I'm going to have to be a bit more careful now because I, I I am purely, you know, Stick the kettle on. Oh, it's boiled straight in the mug. Anyway, so I think I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. have to. I'm gonna have to be a bit more careful now. And I do have some green tea every now and then, so mm-hmm. I'll just let it cool for a little bit and then put it in, and we'll see the difference. Yeah, good plan. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Good thinking. Okay. You've, 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 you've convinced me. Okay. Yeah. It's twice my arm. So, um, Cool, we got the brood in. So you're up there, uh, not too far away from me, up there in in Norwich. Mm -hmm. So, and you've been in Norwich for a fair while now, I believe. Yeah, since 1999, I moved here from the Netherlands. Yes, yes, and um, you've. I was gonna say you've 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 been up here now for you've been across the across the well, what do we call it the uh, the North Sea? But I'm thinking of because it's um, if you drain it, you know it's. It was land once, the land bridge. I don't know because you say across the pond mm. to the to the states. So it's just across the water. If you go across the North Sea, Does, is there any yeah. Dutch saying for like those folk over there? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. You know what? I've been away from Holland for so long. Yeah, my Dutch yeah. is definitely rusty, and sometimes I I come out with stuff, and my mum just giggles at me like you just translated <laughs> something literally, and I'm like, that's what I used to do, like when I just moved to the UK. I used to translate like expressions and things literally from Dutch and people here would look at me as if to say like, what, what? <laughs> and now I'd do it the other way around. So um, that's my way of saying, I can't think of a term for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can, we, can you give an example though of one of these like literal translations where people either side go, what? Yeah. Well, the funniest example I think was when I was way back when, when I just moved um, and I was staying, I was going to one of those holiday caravan park type things with my (laughs) then boyfriend. And um, I remember staying there, the guy who, you know, who owned the caravan park showing us around and there was like a double room and a a twin room in this caravan. So he showed us where the double room was and he said, and uh, there's a twin room in case you fall out, you know, and he left it at that. And I was so confused. And I was like, if I've, fall out why would I fall out but if I fall out I would just get back in what is he on about so I did not know what that expression meant which I learned then yeah <laughs> oh yeah I like that it's great um so one of the one of the geography teachers I spoke to his podcast Louis Louis Viss gave his really interesting insight because he was um let me get this right and I apologize Louis if I get this wrong but I think he was born in Belgium to a French mother and a British father now lives over here in the UK. Um, and he said that he feels like a third culture child where he never really, to- him and his sister never really felt like they totally fit in, in one place or the other. They And this was the real um, interesting thing he said. He said, he said, it's a really strange feeling to o- only always feel like you fit in 75% of the time, no matter where you go. Mm. I mean, have you ever had that? that that feeling at one point or is it you've you've become all pretty much so british even like so norfolk now that you're pretty much normal for norfolk now (laughs) yeah i guess i'm normal for norfolk now yeah yeah now it's interesting because when i moved um i mean when i visited here i visited the uk for like a traineeship when i was in college and i was in norwich for six weeks and i just i just loved it and i felt at home and it was just you know, it felt right. And then I went back to Holland. And then when I was here, I met someone. So we had like a long distance thing going on for about a year and a half. And after Mm -hmm. that, I decided to move over. And although it was tricky at first, because it took me a few years to make friends and things, but I've always just felt at home here. And like, when I go to Holland now, I'm like, I can't wait to come back to Norwich because Norwich is home. Oh, interesting. You know, if people ask me, do you miss Holland? Do you miss your family? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> 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 I don't know why, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. So this is very much home for me. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my, my follow-up question really is like, is like kind of 
could you even give a, a, a like a ratio or a percentage figure to kind of like how Dutch you feel still I mean obviously you're always going to yeah. be because that's your that's your background yeah, that's but part of my my experience really it's yeah. it's almost like with with the whole you know gender gender conversations like we all have this different experience of gender and I feel like part of my experience is woman part of my experience is Dutch person you know so that's part of my background and my history but I don't yeah, it's there's a familiarity about it, obviously, because I know mm. it, but I'm not attached to it. I guess that's mm. the best way to put it. I'm just not really attached to it. And even yeah. even the language, it's funny because like sometimes I have to try and explain to people like what what something is translated in Dutch, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. I don't. I don't. I didn't come up with this <laughs> I stuff. Don't make the rules. <laughs> it's like don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, it's a bit like that. And I feel like I can express myself a lot better in English anyway. I feel. Yeah. Is that because English is just such a convoluted, messy language that there's actually plenty of ways you can express yourself? Maybe. <laughs> That's part of its charm. I don't know. <laughs> part of its charm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody says that. Um, I mean, of course, I have I have the empire colonial privilege that I will never really know this way. But uh, people say mm. that English is one of the most difficult languages to learn, apparently. And I have to take their word from yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think because obviously I grew up with a lot of like, you know, English and especially American TV. So it got ingrained (laughs) in me, like from a young age, although we also had like, there was German TV and French and Belgian TV as well, but they, they dub a lot of stuff. Um, But the, the English also always had subtitles. And I don't know, there's something about subtitles that works really well for me. I actually use subtitles. I've been using them in the last few years, actually just switching them on because there's something Mm. about hearing it and reading it at the same time that makes my brain happy or something. I don't know. So that's that's what I do. But um, yeah, so I'm used to hearing the English more than hearing like some of the other languages because of the, oh no, that is, hang on, how did that work? Did I get that wrong? I don't know. It makes sense in my head. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm used to hearing the English with the subtitles. So yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually have something in my house and I'm going to do a very, very, I'm going to do this thing you should never, ever do in the middle of recording is that leave your your desk, right? Yeah. So I will, I, I will let this bit out. So um, I'm going to go and get you something. Okay. <laughs> so com- completely coincidentally, a friend of mine gave mm. me these. So. Oh, yay. So everybody, nice. I am showing Esther um, a lovely vase of uh, tulips. Um, Very Dutch. And are they, are they, they orange yeah. and yellow? Orange and yellow? Or they red are. Or? Yeah. Orange and yellow. Perfect color. Yeah, orange. yeah, orange is a Dutch color as well. Yeah. Exactly. We have our red, so, white, and blue in the flag, and we've got orange. Yeah. So, yeah, we actually have <laughs> nice. a little bit of uh, the Netherlands in the house with the. With the oh, how lovely. I feel all at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say, yeah, I was going to speak to Esther, you know, my friend Esther on this podcast. I've got to get some tulips to make her feel at home. But then, then you go to say, ah, oh, I just feel like Norwich anyway. Yeah. I should have just got you some mustard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's intriguing, what you, of course, because um, and we'll move on to this um, very shortly. But uh, just goes to show how much identity is fluid and mm-hmm. it's always evolving and it never stays stable. Um, and I know that because obviously we live more now in a globalized society that probably happens m- more. But, mm-hmm. you know, it it's been happening for thousands of years. You know, if people mm-hmm. move, they migrate naturally. And I'm, it's really interesting because when I've been having conversations for this podcast, 
I speak to folks like yourself. I speak to folks like like Louis, but I also speak to folks like uh, like Tawny or Candice, you know, who have got um, indigenous backgrounds and who whose identity has been fluid but for different reasons and they say you know people who don't move very very far away who've got very strong identities with where they are but maybe the the world around them changes and that forces a change in their identity so it's just it doesn't seem to be a stable thing or you know for anyone's life to be honest yeah it's interesting isn't it because I feel like I've I've been wanting to look more and more into like indigenous gender identities especially mm. and it is very linked to culture it's it's like you can't separate the two you know Yeah and so yeah. that's a perfect segue so let's move move on to those kind of things then so the two things then is your podcast mm-hmm. the 50 shades of gender podcast which is a <laughs> fabulous podcast um Hi. and I really do strongly <laughs> recommend that um everybody does give that a listen a try and so for folks who uh are completely have no idea what it's about what Mm -hmm. is the the 50 shades of gender podcast all about it's basically sharing stories from like real stories from real people from beyond the gender binaries basically yeah having stories uh, like conversations with gender delightful people i think as jeffrey marsh calls it um yeah and yeah it's just about their experience of their gender what it's like for them and like it's very intersectional as well. Like we talk about things that are of interest to them, other parts of their identity, and how it all links together and such. Um, yeah, and I've learned so much from doing it. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you've because um, you've you've had a couple, you know, speaking with uh, Katie John went. Hi, Katie. I bet you're <laughs> listening. Hope you're doing well. And uh, you have these kind of like mini kind of like reflection episodes yeah. i think was it every 25 so you had one every at 25, 25. Yeah. you got one at fifth and one at 75 mm-hmm. um and you just talk about your own experience and what you've kind of learned and the journey that you've undergone and mm. that's something obviously i really strongly identify with as the podcast host of this of about what mm-hmm. i have learned as the host mm-hmm. and the conversations that i've had um yeah. so and I know that you've spoken to me as a friend about how profound you found some of these these things, but probably for people listening, can you perhaps give maybe one or two examples of, of kind of how you've had maybe a wow moment or or something mm. you were was difficult to grasp at before, but when you spoke to a couple of people, you're like, oh my God, okay. Mm-hmm. So is there any kind of mm-hmm. moments you can share with us? Absolutely. I know, I know you've got lots. <laughs> yeah, there's at least one of those per episode, to be honest. Yeah, like yeah. mind blown. Okay, wow you know got to sit with it for a bit I mean one of the one of the ones that comes to mind at the moment was I had a conversation with Cassian who runs the gender census and I talked to them about you know their experience and like what they've learned from doing the gender census because they've been getting more and more responses like tens of thousands of them at the moment I think they get every year now Um, and they said if you look in inside yourself for a gender what do you find and I was like oh no I can't find anything and they said, isn't that interesting? Because I look inside myself and I can't find anything. And I think their uh, label that they used at the time was agender, I believe. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'm a woman, but, uh, you, you know, is that what does that mean to me? Am I? What is that? What is that about? You know, so I've just started digging and like unearthing all this stuff. So, um, yeah. And another another conversation that comes to mind was actually with uh, a two-spirit Lakota woman. Uh, in the States that I had a chat with, uh, Beverly Little Thunder. And that was, uh, it was just a lovely conversation as well. That's one and of my favorite episodes. 
yeah yeah that's amazing yeah she's very like she's so youthful I find in her energy and how she speaks and stuff like that and um yeah just some of the stuff she talked about her experiences I've also listened to her audiobook like some of the stuff she's been through which is wow it's some of it is pretty horrendous but like yeah yeah um yeah and also but like the 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 that they don't really make a distinction she said like between sexuality and gender and how it's all kind of interlinked and the term two spirit and mm. all that all that kind of thing and wow yeah and so many more mm. yeah and one of and you mentioned the word intersectionality as well um mm. and having these conversations you see how how all these people are both have all these things in connection but they have so much different experiences and it's just such a rich tapestry that your episodes really portray. Um, mm. And and as you've you you've as time's gone on, you you started to do the kind of things that I've started to do now that I'm on episode fifty, whatever. And that is, mm-hmm. you start ref, ref, referring back, and you start saying, you know, it's funny because I had the same conversation with who kind of approached it this way, and then you'd you'd kind of like weave in those intersections, and it just makes it so mm. so. Yeah, and it for me when I listen to your podcast I feel even if the person you're spoke this is what's beautiful for me is that I may be a member of this broad community this gender non-conforming community mm-hmm. but it makes me appreciate and just reminds myself that we are so hugely diverse in ourselves mm-hmm. and we're so hugely unique and and we have intersections but differences as nuanced but as far removed as any other community any other two mm. groups of people on this planet mm. and that's what's so beautiful to me uh it yeah. makes me it's comfort that i'm both special but i'm both i'm also normal if you know what i mean i'm just yeah. part of this tapestry yeah uh, it's a delightful yeah. listen as a, as a trans person and um yeah and when i've had um conversations with indigenous folk myself and uh, mm. queer indigenous folk as well one of the mm. things that I've learned is is that they are well, the best way to phrase this this they can see the issues that are taking place with you know the westernization almost of gender you know they've mm. been clo- clo- you know the, the colonization of gender's taken place mm. and things like that so they're fighting that battle on their end mm. and then but the thing that I found really interesting when I've spoken to some folk is they turn and say but the battle to push against that should not be westernized either. Um, so, for example, when you talk about Trans Day of Visibility or Trans mm-hmm. Day of Remembrance, it's lovely that you want to bring, for example, two-spirit people into that. But mm-hmm. being two-spirit and being what's transgender through a Western construct is not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the vast majority of two-spirit people will not say that they're transgender for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I have conversation like that and I have that kind of realization, mm. it's just like you just said, it's mind blowing. And I'm like, wow, not only have we got to be decolonial with trying to get our identities back as gender nonconforming people, but we've got to mm. make sure we don't do it in a colonial way. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. And like, I think getting our identities back is like, I think something that we all I feel like it's almost like we're all on that journey. And I think people who are trans and gender non-conforming in all sorts of ways are almost like like a, a beacon for that, you mm. know. And I think I think that's where the conflict comes from because it can be uncomfortable for people because we're all oh, yeah. 
conforming and we're all like, you know, there's internalized everything, you know, and we're yes, all yeah. oppressed in some way for the most, but most people are not everyone, but you know, that's the thing. But yeah, it's like rediscovering who you are and like what matters to me and like, you know, all that stuff. It's like, wow, mm. <laughs> it's mind blowing really. Yes. Yeah. And um, we've, uh, I'm just going to get folks to just listen to a little tiny clip here. And if they're regular listeners, they will recognize uh, one of the voices on this. What I've heard a lot of people say is just small gestures like using the right pronouns can be so affirming for people and it can give them real gender euphoria, you know, that's really great. Yeah, yeah just right? to echo that, it is like the best feeling in the world. I've, I started uni with one name and I came, I think I tried out about two or three names before I settled on Roe. And I think the way in which I went about mm -hmm. that is I firstly just trialed different names to some friends. I might have practiced it a few times in the mirror, just kind of saying, oh, hi, my name is this. And just kind of getting used to it and working it out. There's some online forums which you can join. There's a non-binary page that I join on Facebook. And you can kind of pop some pictures of yourself and describe yourself and say, hey, what kind of names do you think would suit me? And just try and work it out from there. And once I had settled on my name row, there was new friends, which I didn't have to explain things to because all they knew me was was Ro, and that is the best feeling in the world. But with old friends and particularly lecturers and some advisors that knew me as my legal name, that was quite scary, quite intimidating because it is that transition process, and especially for lecturers who you know know you on a bit more of a professional level. Um, but I found the best way I went about it mm. was I just changed it in my email. I would you know change my sign off. So. That was um, yourself, Ro Proctor, and myself talking as part of uh, this collaboration that we all did for mm -hmm. uh, for my my work for UEA called uh, Pride in High Aspirations, where we where we all talked about bit the experience of being queer at higher education and kind of like top tips for young people mm -hmm. coming up to higher education about what they can do. And I just want to mm -hmm. say thank you, Esther, for kind of like hosting that discussion. It was a really beautiful discussion, and it was lovely to kind of um just be a part of it and have these youngsters because it, it did make me feel a bit old but you know all these like young university <laughs> students that like oh they're like little queer babies they're going about doing the thing they're feeling proud so of lovely, they are wasn't it yeah well yeah. thank you for organizing it all you know yeah oh, you did a lot pleasure. of hard work <laughs> well well you know i've we did we did say didn't we we needed to collaborate at one point and we yeah, and we got it and totally. i think it worked really really well and it was um yeah mm -hmm. so we could uh very happy that we could uh now i've let me remember was that episode 49 I think you're right. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. one of the things you do on your reflection ones, isn't it, is that Katie gets, guesses you to guess the number or guess the. Yeah. You know, up to <laughs> up one through to 20, I was like, spot on, I've got this. And then afterwards it gets a bit, you know, 20 to 25. I'm like, oh, and after that, it's just a blur now. It's yeah. Like, oh, no, I wanted to remember them all. So I could be like in episode so-and-so number this, you know, like, you know, about this? you know, and that's like, no, it's not going to work. I have the general gist of it and I've got the names obviously so that helps yes but the episode yeah. number that's linked to the name that that escapes me like often now <laughs> see I, I've and this this is where regular listeners are going to tell me that I'm wrong now but the one the one that I will always remember is um well it's two is episode 11 because my eldest is always like can you play episode 11 again because that's the one I'm on so <laughs> so mm -hmm. Theo was a co-host for part for about three minutes on that with uh, the punk biologist Lucy Eckersley um, which was pretty cool. They talked a little bit about Studio Ghibli and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and um, I, I, I keep I keep 
fangirling over Adil Hussain, as you, you know, I told you this when I, yeah. on episode 14, you know, cause, cause he was in Star Trek Discovery and I was like, it's so good cause uh, you're a little yeah, bit of a Trekkie as so well. Cool. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. Uh, I've, I've, I'm tempted to go and talk about Trek now, but I've, I've done that many times with folks like Andy and Sean. So I'm going to shove that to the side. Um, so, okay. So I've moved on from the podcast into this book that you've contributed to called Sacred Redesign. I mean, mm. this, this seems to link so much together, like what you've been mm. saying last episode with regards to uh, the wonderful Cat Poe, who's uh, a queer mixed race Um person who talked about kind of freeing yourself from society standards you talked about you know the mm. conforming to capitalism yeah. and and things like that mm. yeah. and then you know this is so fascinating um how did you how did this come about i mean i've i've been approached to write a chapter in a book for diverse educators i'm like it mm-hmm. just falls in your lap sometimes but but was this something that fell in your lap or was this something that that you approached someone how did it come about well, kind of. I mean, I'm on the email list uh, for this lady I work with in Australia who does energy energy healing work and things like that. And um, she, um, it, there was actually the, the, the person who published the book, AMA Publishing, Adriana, her name is, she does this like, you know, she does collaborative books, like a lot of those. So, you know, every few months, basically. And it was the previous book that actually piqued my interest because my, my friend, the energy worker person, sent an email out saying, oh, this is happening. I'm going to contribute. If, if it feels resonant for you, then I'm offering like a free session. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there was this package deal going on. Yeah. And I was like, yes. You know, I mean, part of me was like, yeah, let's do it. And um, I set up a chat with Adriana. We had a conversation and it was like, oh, this feels so resonant, so good. And then, and then the momentum kind of died down. It kind of like yeah. the wave just sort of stopped. And I was like, oh. Okay, part of me was a bit puzzled. And I was like, I was so pumped for this. What is happening? You know, and then it was like, it's okay, just let it be. And then I got a message from someone else saying this opportunity will arise again, like a channel message, which I'm into. Woo woo. Um, (laughs) So yeah, and they said, like, this opportunity will come around, it will come around again. And I was like, okay, so that reassured me. And then I noticed that this this book coming up and the title of it and the, the, the energy about it. And I was like, there you go. That's why I wasn't, you know, drawn to the previous one because although that sparked something yeah actually this one felt more right so this is the one i went with so yeah so what's what's the title of your uh chapter or your section you know what i didn't actually give it a title mm. yeah what title would it be <laughs> okay yeah so if you were to yeah. give your part title, title what would be? it be yeah i was thinking that actually this is the title of a book i'm thinking of writing maybe one day oh, and it's okay. called sense of self okay there's there's something something about that yeah yeah it's all about again i think finding who you are and rediscovering and unlearning and deconditioning and all that stuff you know and realizing what's really going on and like but it can be very um 
it's very confronting at times, you know, it's, it's mm. not, it's not an easy path. Like ignorance is bliss, as he says in the matrix, which is true, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the so. second episode in a row. We've got the matrix reference again. Again, Kat Poe <laughs> mentioned about, about it last, uh, last episode. Um, okay. So, so kind of give us, give us a little very short synopsis then of kind of what you, what your contribution was about. So um, mm. was it, did you did you use any any of your learnings from doing the podcast in it? Yeah, so I mean that was my intention. But the thing is, when I signed up, it was like part of my 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 soul or my inner self, whatever you want to call it, was a bit like, yes, we're doing this. And I was like, but what am I going to write about? You know, my brain got involved. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write about. Yeah. But I was like, just say yes, and we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> so that was kind of the idea. And then. I've basically been brain dumping because that was like two or three months before the actual deadline of submitting the mm. chapter. So I've been brain dumping ideas for like ages, you know, like, oh, here's an idea. Oh, here's an idea. So I just had a random Evernote file of, you know, notes. And it got closer and closer to this deadline, which I think was maybe mid-March or something. And it was like a few, it was like the week before. And I was like, seriously, I need to pull my finger out. I need to get writing. What am I going to write about? So I started, you know, writing a bit of this, bit of that, and I just wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't feeling it. So then um, I discovered this new tea shop in Norwich, which is kind of also what I start describing in the book. So I discovered this new tea shop. After a few days, I sat in and someone came in and we got chatting. We just hit it off, fast friends. And, um, and they told me about their gender dysphoria. Like they just opened up about it. And we just got on really well. And I feel like the meeting, I, I started then writing it down how we met. And I thought that's going to lead into something. So I let oh. that then go into like how my own journey and how it all came together. And yeah, it just kind of, it just became something, you know, and it was like, wow, there it is. You know, rather than overthink it, I felt like I needed to be very much, it was very much an inner process, you know, rather yeah. than practical obviously there is a practical side to it but it was very much like a letting it flow and trusting the process kind of thing involved in it and it was kind of amazing how it came together so yeah yeah is this your first ever contribution to a book it is although i there is a blog post i wrote about years ago how i cured myself of the psoriasis i had for 20 years and that was actually um the book that was part of that journey was by Dr. David Hamilton. It's called How the Mind Can Heal the Body. And he brought out a new edition of this book where he collected stories from people, you know, who had done that exactly like how they cured themselves of things. And that short, you know, blog post or that post, that story got included in that book. So that was really exciting. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, a very, very different thing, obviously. But like, yeah. yeah, this is this is very different sort of collaborating and contributing a whole chapter with the intention of writing for a book, you know. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty yeah. scary. So we're, we're both in that respect, then we're, we're both this this year, you know, first time published authors in, in terms of in a, a book that you can flick through. And, um, and yeah. yeah, it's exactly the same. You're like, you're like, you get really excited. You've you 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 kind of have these ideas about what you want to talk about. You're very passionate about it. And you're like, you sit down mm. and you just suddenly like <laughs> writer's block or what the hell am yeah. I doing? How do I even start? And yeah. and I started keeping um, post-it notes and a pencil with me like nearby because yeah. some, most, most, <laughs> most of my ideas would either come while I'm trying to get to sleep 
or yeah, in the middle exactly. of the night when I've got up to go to the toilet or yeah. in the shower. Yes. It happens in the shower a lot. So I, yeah. I, I, I did that. And then, um, and as you say, like just talking to people and finding out and then hearing certain words that you think, oh, that's it. That's the kind of, so, yeah. so for my chapter in Diverse Educators, I talked about um, <clears throat> the pit. So it was the, the power and the pitfalls of privilege, um, vis- of visibility privilege power and the pitfalls of visibility privilege because um for me i i have i've been on such a massive journey as you well know you're one of the very first people i spoke to and you know coming on as as your first guest on your podcast was part of my way of starting that journey and coming to terms with everything and and mm-hmm. and i remember saying to you that i've got a lot of privilege in being the fact that i can be visible i can be out and so I yeah. wanted to write about that. And so I talked mm-hmm. about, you know, the fact that if you have this the visibility privilege, how powerful it could be, what it could be a force for good. So, And I didn't mm-hmm. want to say, I didn't want to be condescending or patronizing. So that's why I said the pitfalls, you know, these are the, this is what rather than, oh, woe is me, I have all this privilege, you know. <laughs> it was more yeah. of a case of, you know, it, there can be some yeah. drawbacks. And when you are out and about and proud, these things come about and then, and uh, mm-hmm. I talked about the, uh, I came across this thing when I was just doing some research online called the visibility paradox. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. We, yeah. Yeah. But so basically all about where, where you are out and you're proud and you're not shy about it and all that kind of stuff. So of course, um, mm-hmm. when things happen, you know, you're there, you're always the person they tend to go to, you know, as like mm-hmm. and a lot of burden goes on you um mm. as as the mm. almost the token trans person or the token gender non-conforming person or something like that so totally. yeah it's um mm. so you're right and i say i would say folks i mean esther you can give your your top tip or your encouragement but i would say folks if you if you've ever had the opportunity the chance or the temptation to write to get published i would say yeah go for it seek an opportunity where you could be like a contributor of a few pages to a collaborative probably book or something that would probably be the best way to do it to get you started rather than trying a whole book um mm-hmm. yeah just do it yeah, go for it true, actually yeah yeah because it's a small way to get started and it's a step yeah. which can then lead to more more things you know or bigger things or like not that they have to be compared in size you know but there you go yeah <laughs> we're not comparing um, size here <laughs> we're not comparing size no that's not what we do <laughs> yeah and i just want to say a massive thank you to um hannah wilson and and benny cara for giving me the opportunity they're, they're the two editors of the book amazing um, and uh, i'm hoping you could be doing some more stuff in the future so we'll see we'll see yeah yeah so when is your book out yet or is it not i don't actually yeah know. it is it, it is. was released on 11th of april so wow yeah. oh goodness that's a big book it is um what is the so book called it's called diverse educators a manifesto so it's all about Ooh. it's based on the nine protected characteristics and mm-hmm. if you noticed everybody that Esther's turned turned into the host now she's kind of turned the tables <laughs> on me sneaky <laughs> sneaky <laughs> all right I'll answer this one question and I'm taking the reins back right um okay. <laughs> so yeah so it's it's based on the, the nine protected characteristics and it's a set of um it's it's quite nice because there are some bits which are quite researchy, quite academic in it, but mostly mm-hmm. it's kind of like stories of people's lived experiences yeah. about what it's like to be an educator of color, you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. an educator with a disability, an educator from, yeah. you know, G- Gypsy Roma um, background, uh, from gender mm-hmm. forming background. And yeah, and it kind of like, and it's structured in such a way where it gives 
um, food for thought. It gives discussion points, you know, and then it ends with, you know, your ple- what you would like the pledge to the manifesto to make education more diverse uh, mm. from the educator's point of view. And it's just a really well-crafted book. Um, nice. Guys, I don't get any royalties for this. Um, this is not why we wrote it. None of us get any royalties for this. Yeah, so, I don't get royalties for mine, actually. Exactly. I think the money goes to charity, I believe. Yeah, and that's fine that by me. Yeah. And that is yeah. 100% fine. If this, if this makes the education sector, you know, a happier place for more people to totally. be in. Um, yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's job done. Nice. Right. Okay. Congrats. Flipping back to you now. Thank you. Yay. Now, you, you meant you, actually, it's funny how you mentioned like 20 years ago, you did this because uh, um, mm-hmm. when I asked you the question in regards to, you know, tell me something geographical, you said, well, you try to be quite sustainable in greens. Like you've not used shampoo for 20 years. You use, and I'm going to see, mm-hmm. do I pronounce this right? Is it Rassol, Rassol clay for over a decade? Yeah, Rassol, I think. Yeah. Rassol yeah. clay. Yeah. Yeah. It's from Morocco and it's, I think it's, um, it's also transported by boat. It's very, very well, you know, thought out and very ethically and sustainably done, I believe. Um, it's sun dried and all sorts of things. Ooh. So yeah, it's this powder and you mix it with water and that's what I use. I still use it as a body wash. I used to use it for my hair, which I don't now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Like sometimes I feel a bit morally superior, like, do you know what I mean? At least I haven't <laughs> contributed to, you know, okay. I use an iPhone, but you know, it's kind of yeah. like that. We're all guilty of something, aren't we? I mean, we do what we can. So, um, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a bit of a change, although not too bad i mean i'm used to the stuff you know and i really love it it feels lovely on your skin as well so i really recommend it i wouldn't Mm. say it's suitable for everyone's hair because my hair is quite fine and it suits that or it suited that but if you really okay maybe not so much i don't know um it's it's worth trying out though but then i've had people say oh yeah they're really interested and like i used to rave about it as well and they were like oh i'll try it out and they try it once and they're like oh i don't like it i'm like well you need to give it time because your hair is going to need to, you know, adjust. So mm. it is, you know, you have to give your sign, yourself time for like a, you know, allow for that transitional period as with many yeah. new things that you try out, you know? Yeah. And actually that's why mm. a lot of people um, don't follow through on things like say, well, like not mm. using shampoo in your hair is like, but then it goes mm. that really kind of thick grit and then, but then it sorts itself out, but people don't get past that stage, do they? It's, um... That is true. Well, the thing is because I'd been using this Rasul clay, I was like feeling all smug. I was like, Oh, if I go you're like water only, that's going to be a doddle because I haven't <laughs> used shampoo. But the thing is, I mean, uh, the clay, it does cleanse the hair. So it does still take stuff out of it. Just not in the same way as shampoo does. Um, but I found that when I went water only, I, I did that like a few months after lockdown started because I thought, you know, why the hell not? So, <laughs> um, but it was like the second week was horrendous. It was, and I think that's when a lot of people give up and they try other things like, you know, the bicarb or the vinegar or that, you know, they grab all sorts of things. They're like, make it stop. This is horrible, <laughs> you know, because it was really, really not pleasant. Um, but yeah, that's the adjustment phase, right? So your hair, mm. like your scalp has to get used to because your scalp is still in that mode of like, must produce sebum because it's all been stripped out, you know. So it takes a while for your <laughs> yeah. scalp to be like, oh, hang on, guys, we don't have to do so much of this stuff anymore. It's okay, we can calm down. So, yeah, it took a few weeks. But mm. I, then it sort of stabilized. And actually, I've never loved my hair more. It's gone a bit wavy now. And it's like, I've kind of always wanted wavy hair. I even had like a, a, a perm of sorts put in when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? To get the same effect. And I was like, it does that naturally. Naturally like, wavy. Nice. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and yeah. and the, the hard water doesn't do it 
any harm at all because for folks who don't know mm -hmm. this part of the uk this part of the world the water is very hard it's uh, got mm -hmm. a lot of um calcium carbonate um dissolved yeah. in it because yeah. uh, we have chalk bedrock so but no mm -hmm. it seems to your hair's fine yeah yeah i had to get used to it though because like i had to figure out what to do with my hair because it's very different from using shampoo or anything else right. yeah if I, if I shampoo and stuff if people say oh, i've got such high maintenance hair i'm like you know nothing <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> no you don't well maybe you do you know everyone knows that of themselves but like yes <laughs> i found that using water only you have to really scrub and like you know massage and like do it's very mm. sort of you know you have to be quite vigorous with your scalp and stuff to work all the stuff through your hair and you have to like brush it out before you you know so I found a whole range of things to do that I need to do to make sure it's sustainable for me so yeah nice I'm gonna give it <laughs> a try because I've got very fine hair as well and mm -hmm. I'm growing it out as long as I can and we'll see how it goes yeah. uh, so I've just I've I just looked online um this is from uh, radiance by uh, WebMD, right uh, yeah. so yeah so Russell clay is used for skin hair skincare hair beauty products there are a lot of claims about how it can help your skin but there's not much research it's not a treatment for skin okay it didn't say about skin we're talking about hair here mm. um it's also called gasol clay or red moroccan clay because it comes from morocco mm. uh yeah. people have been using it as a shampoo and soap for centuries the term wrestle comes from the arabic word rasala which means to wash interesting hmm. yeah 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 it's lovely and i think you'll like it it's very very it feels very pleasant but then that's that's me saying that obviously i think if you're not used to using like natural products like that and you're used to your soaps and your you know scented stuff then you might be a bit like why am i washing in mud do you know what i mean because it does feel yeah. like that <laughs> yeah yeah oh, it looks like pretty it. good maybe it's and the I hippie in me <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and i love it you know it talks about you know it does have any health benefits it says well if there's research not much research all that kind of stuff this is the best mm -hmm. bit right what are the risks so apart from saying is that you know you 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 know if you could have a reaction because of course if you're trying anything you know you need to test it on yeah. whatever first you don't have a reaction yeah. whatever but here's what it says what yeah. are the risks do not eat it basically <laughs> oh yeah disclaimers like you know like yeah. when you when you buy some salmon it says careful contains fish yeah. you know yeah. that kind of thing it says, yeah. never eat Russell Clay. Could have bacteria, parasites, viruses, heavy metals in it. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, it's mm -hmm. from the ground. Okay, eating clay could yeah. lead to low potassium and muscle weakness. Okay, mm -hmm. I was never going to eat it. It's fine. No, no, it's not yeah. for internal cleansing. May contain nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. So, um, oh, okay. Oh, we're going to bring this to a close now. It's been a lovely, lovely, lovely chat. Um, and I'm really excited for this this final bit because mm -hmm. um, we're going to link you up with our previous guest who I've already mentioned is uh, the wonderful Kat Poe, um, who I know is listening. Hi, Kat. Thank you again for last week. It was so cool. Um, mm -hmm. And the We Are All Geographers Challenge. So to link all you folks together. So last mm -hmm. week, uh, Kat had to link the word uh, language to something um a part of her life or some geography or something like that which is the second time someone mm -hmm. has chosen the word language so it was really interesting oh. mm -hmm. uh that we had a different perspective there now the word that cat has given you esther is okay. genuine genuine I, I think that's perfect for you because of what you, mm. you know the way you conduct yourself the, the what you get out of your podcasts in and just and i've always you know and I've always seen you as this genuine person. You know, I gravitated towards you as a friend very quickly, I felt, because you were just such a genuine spirit. Um, 
but this is not about me um how I feel about you this is about what you think about the word genuine so uh so Esther oh yeah 30 seconds to riff about the word genuine in any way shape or form you wish to riff about it so whenever you want to start yeah genuine it's kind of like the word authentic isn't it and it may be a little bit overused especially in the spiritual community but it is I think the most important thing we can be for ourselves and other people and the world to be honest because there is nothing better than being genuinely and authentically yourself and that means that we probably have to do a bit of digging and a bit of weeding to find those bits because we have all gotten a bit lost. <laughs> oh, <Yay>. boom. <laughs> oh, that's just so nice. <laughs> I, 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 the, the, these last bits of the podcast, I always really, really, really love because I just get this warm, fuzzy feeling when people just, you know, do those, do that kind of wheel jog for us. I know that everyone's linking together and, um, yeah, and mm-hmm. hopefully people listening, having a go at it as well. So, uh, but yeah, that was a very genuine response, Esther. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, cool. So, um, before I forget to ask you, um, for mm-hmm. my next guest, what word would you like to pass on to them? That is a good question. I was hoping it would come to me before now, but it hasn't, <laughs> so I'll have to come up with something on the spot. So the word that comes to me now is expression. Nice. I'm going to write that down <laughs> before I forget. I'm glad something came. Wow. Expression. I was like, oh, no, what if nothing comes? It's like you got to trust the process, right? Yeah, you got to trust the process. Let it be First thing like that comes whatever. to mind. Yeah, exactly. Let's go with it. Just go with it. I love yeah. it. Expression. Okay, folks, yeah. listen out for that next week for expression. Right there, Star. So last two things to do then is uh, any shout outs you'd like to give? We said hi to Katie. Oh. Hello, Katie. Yeah. Hi, Katie. Yeah. We went to we went to True Stories Live at the Art Centre the other night, and that Sweet. was really lovely. And there's going to be one for Pride, I think, on the 31st of July. Yep. So that's going to be lovely. Um, as well as a human library as well on the same day at the Art Centre. Um, yeah, that's all I can think of at the moment. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, and uh, I'll I'll give another plug for Norwich Pride because uh, I'm uh, going to, because every year they have a discussion panel Mm -hmm. and um, I'm going to be one of the guests on the panel this year, which is really, really nice. Um, Yeah, yeah, which is going to be really cool. And I know that they're very well attended. Uh, I'm pretty nervous. Mm. (laughs) uh, It'll be great. I'll come see you. Yeah. Well, you were you you were one of my cheerleaders for um, my my first Norwich Pride after coming out. Um, Remember, I did the 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 poetry performance on the the green just outside the the birdcage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you were there, and you were helping helping looking after my kids, completely (laughs) unprepared. So bless you. That Um, was lovely. So yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And so, yeah, that's on the, yeah, the end of July. So, folks, end if you're July. in the, um, if the Norwich Pride is, you know, I mean, obviously, Bright Brighton Pride and is obviously the the gold standard because they just they just go nuts down there. But honestly, mm-hmm. Norwich Pride is such a good event. It's really big for a small city, and uh, there's so much going on. There's so much to do. The parade is 
freaking huge. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so if you're in the Norwich area, even if you're not in the Norwich area, go look Come up Norwich up. Pride. Why don't we just it? give, yeah, yeah, let's give Joe and everybody who runs Norwich Pride and all that kind of stuff, give them a shout out. Hi, hey. folks. I hope all the preparation is going well. Awesome. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so in terms of making connections in, um, how can folks find you on uh, social media and how can they find your podcast? Well, the podcast lives on 50shadesofgender.com, which is F-I-F-T-Y rather than the number. And yep. we're on the socials under at 50shadesgender, but that is a number. Number, yeah. A little bit confusing <laughs> about it. Um, find us on Patreon if you want to, you know, yep. help us out. And where else am I? Am I? Um, that's, that's, those are the places. Yeah. yeah. And the, the podcast is anywhere and everywhere on Apple and Spotify on all the, all the places. Yep. Yeah. That's it, folks. That's yeah. it. So, um, don't even bother listening to the, to the, you know, to the lead out and the outro now, just go and say <laughs> bye everybody. Go subscribe to 50 Shades Gender Podcast. Do it, do it right now. But, Yay. uh, well, and while, while, while everyone's now gone, Nesta, it was now time for me to say, um, it's been absolutely lovely catching up with you. Um, it hopefully, was, um, we'll get yeah. up to Norwich, uh, sooner rather than later so we can hang out again. And, yeah, uh, that'd be lovely. It's been too long. It's been yeah. way too long. Absolutely. So <laughs> thank you very, very much, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging.